Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Uh, before we jump into anything, want to just give you the uh, weekly reminder, maybe for some of you the daily, monthly reminder that uh, we want to be focusing more on our mental health. So quick and dirty way to understand that is we are asking those around us, hey, how's your mental health? That's a way to acknowledge I'm a safe space and also a way to remind people to actually check in on that to then help them track it and understand what they might need. Because again, when we say things like, hey, how are you? We give the standard, cool, I'm fine, all good. So saying how's your mental health again communicates to focus on it, that you're a safe resource. Uh, also we're focusing more on dun, 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 self-care cause we're not trying to get trapped in or live in burnout. And a lot of us are living in burnout. If you're exhausted at the end of the day, if you're crashing, when you get home, uh, you're in burnout and we want to prevent ourselves from getting there. So again, my quick dirty tips for that is number one, do 70% max with all things you're engaged in. Nothing should take our hundred percent. We want to have energy left over, especially because when we get home from work, that's when we want to participate in our hobbies and our self-care and our relationships, same things with the weekends. If we are burning ourselves out, which is when we are always operating at a hundred percent or trying to go for 150% because our toxic productivity based culture tells us that our worth is tied to what we produce and how hard we work. And that's not true. That's actually toxic, problematic, not rooted in mental health or physical health and absolutely not true. And that's how people end up in burnout and end up over reliant upon things like drugs and alcohol because they don't know how to disconnect or soothe themselves. So they turn to things that literally force that, that rest or that soothing. And that actually doesn't nurture us. So we want to operate at 70% max and we want to be leaving time and energy for other important things in our lives. Uh, we're not trying to give a hundred percent, like I said, or, or pushing ourselves like that. And then of course, self-care every single day. And this is how we make sure we're not living in or heading towards burnout is making sure every day there's room for self-care, which would include something that's just rooted in pleasure, something you get to choose what that is, but it has to be tied to pleasure, not productivity. So don't say, well, I love going to the gym. No, the gym is further depleting for a lot of us. It's also a place where some of us push ourselves too hard. And for some it's rooted in goals, which is stressful. 
We want to, again, focus on things that just give us pleasure and have nothing productivity, outcome-based, or anything else tied to it, but just it feels good every day. And if you can't carve out time and space for that, your schedule is rooted in burnout and it is not mental health centered. So giving you permission to build in pleasure every day. Also, something that's tied to rest, and I don't mean bedtime, rest, carving out an hour of something restfully based. I made that up, that conjugation, restfully based. But uh, maybe, again, sitting on a park bench, going and laying on the grass and staring up at the sky, laying on your couch, not with your phone, letting your mind wander, maybe laying on your bed, curled up, maybe it's napping, maybe it's taking a bath, maybe it's laying there like I do with my headset on, just listening to music, and it's tied to nothing productive, it's just that it's restful. Every day, something rooted in pleasure, something rooted in rest, and also something that's tied to a hobby of some kind. I want us to also carve out time for that, whatever that could mean. Then that could be working out, going to the gym, going for a hike, going for a walk, painting, drawing, cooking. My nightly routine, because I don't operate at 100%, I set boundaries and push back on people trying to steal my time. If I have downtime, that's time for me. That is not time to squeeze in more work. So I'm turning things down and saying no. And then every day I'm doing something rooted in pleasure, even if it's just eating a pint of non-dairy delicious ice cream. Maybe it's something that's self-focused with eroticism, self-solo sexuality of some kind, maybe partnered, maybe reading you know, a book. That might be the pleasurable thing. Every day I'm doing something that falls under that. And then my rest tends to be a bath or I lay there listening to music. And then my hobby tends to be reading. And none of those are tied to anything other than just what comes of its acti this activity in isolation. It doesn't have to be tied to anything else every single day. And so we have to start pushing back. And for some people, maybe the leisure may be tied to something socialization driven. Maybe the rest or pleasure part is. It's all up to you how that all comes into play. But these are parts of how we make our lives mental health centered, which is the, the biggest buzzword. Everyone's a mental health advocate right now. Well, here we go. This is how we put the pedal to the metal. This is how we really test that. So uh, build that in. And like I said, asking people how their mental health is and checking in on our own frequently throughout the day. Um, seeing too many people living in burnout, which means they're physically falling apart. They're always tired, never feeling rested, um, always distracted. Uh, not able to participate meaningfully in, in all their different relationships because they just tired, burn out, can't focus. No good, y'all. Um, but when we come back, going to get into something important. We're going to talk about um, how to really carve out some space for mental health when we are all the things we are, when we're stressed, when we're isolated, when we're cooped up, when we haven't left the house, all sorts of stuff. So this applies to everyone. Uh, and they'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to, always confidential, always anonymous, helping someone else out as you're getting your answers and needs met. Also, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. Stick around though, more to come. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around y'all. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast oh rachel we are back love line primarily is a mental health centered show talking about sex relationships psychology parenting how even our relationship to our body uh, uh toxic gym culture music and how it's soothing and therapeutic i mean look it, it's a vast constellation of topics but i'm always wanting to make sure i'm giving a lot of mental health reminders because that's what i'm seeing us needing culturally that's what's coming in my dms and also in my clinical practice with my patients uh, that's always such a good litmus test and a barometer for what's happening culturally because it changes, right? Our mental health is severely, severely and directly impacted by what's going on socially and politically because our lives and our psyche and our mental health takes place within the context of these macro level uh, systems, uh, threats. Think about it. If you're someone who's uh, gay and you are watching the news and you're seeing, you know, how it's how basically every Republican is trying to make it illegal to be gay and to exist, whether it's just the, you know, public acknowledgement in Florida of the fact that you are gay or lesbian or queer or trans or whatever. And then now we're seeing people, I'm not going to mention uh, any names, Ted Cruz, and we're seeing... <laughs> Some people talk about how same-sex marriage just shouldn't be in existence. Uh, maybe you're someone who is able to birth or someone who has a uterus, uh, whether you're male or female, and you are watching Roe versus Wade and uh, abortions be made illegal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is going to directly impact your mental health. Someone like myself and some other patients I work with who are aware of the climate disaster, that we are having the hottest days on record which is not only horrifying because of, you know, climate change, uh, 
But also, if we're having the hottest days on record, that also means that these are among us the coolest days we're going to have because it's heating up. So that gives me existential anxiety and dread. And then my mental health is taking place within that already being in existence. Point being that it changes um, when we might be having issues in the economy or you know gas prices going up. That's going to impact people's stress levels. They're worrying about getting their own or their family's basic needs met. That's going to impact their mental health. On top of the fact that maybe they're in a domestic violence situation, which is occurring during you know problematic socioeconomic socioeconomic times, while maybe that individual's also worried about their pregnancy while in a domestic violence situation, while in a difficult economy, and wondering how they're going to get that necessary abortion, which is part of both healthcare you know, physically and also mentally. And maybe they're also trans. So I had another thread where they're like, okay, I'm going to have to deal with some transphobia on a, in addition to that. Um, that's wild. So how's that person's mental health going to be? So, you know, when we talk about tips and tricks for improving or maintaining your mental health, it is not meant to deny the fact that there are some systems and institutions, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that need changing and dismantling and we're honoring and holding space for that. So it's never trying to just say, oh, mental health is an inside job because in fact, it's an outside job first. And that's something that's a dirty secret culturally that we don't want to look at. You know, when people say, oh, let's talk about, you know, suicide prevention i'm like again we always want to we, we always enter it thinking we want to talk about the factors within the family or the individual and it's like first let's start looking at the fact that we live in a transphobic culture so trans individuals are going to want to possibly think of you know solutions that are self-harm related because they don't feel safe in the world so we got to look at that we're talking about suicide prevention we also have to look at the fact that we live in a white supremacist culture and people of color and black people and indigenous people and all sorts of you know diverse individuals are wondering how to just get their basic needs met and feel safe and that's part of suicide prevention is getting rid of white supremacy, uh, looking at racism, giving universal health care, that we cannot ignore those pieces. And that's why I get so frustrated when we talk about mental health as an inside job that this person has to work on by themselves or in therapy, in an office, an hour, once a week while somehow trying to exist. You know, I work with clients that are fat identified or larger bodied and their mental health and their sense of self and their desirability and their self-worth isn't an inside job. They're living in a fat phobic culture where they can't even drive down the street without seeing billboards that are saying thin is in like we, there, we can't be healthy within these systems. So again, it's kind of a call to action that we all have to say, all right, what are these macro systems that I might have privilege within or power within? How can we make those changes so that the people that are on the receiving end of it that are of color, gay, trans, lower socioeconomic, um, <clears throat> children, all these ex exploited, marginalized individuals that they wouldn't even have to do this work <laughs> because a lot of people's mental health issues are the result of prejudice and discrimination directly, or at least that maybe amplifies or that really erodes at their resilience. And so I want to acknowledge that because a lot of topics on the show can make it feel like it's our job as victims to these systems to somehow, and I have to say that to some people, that we will never be able to be our healthiest self because the, the, the world, our culture, socio, social, uh, social factors just won't ever allow for that. And how do we grieve and how do we mourn and grieve the loss of ever being able to exist safely in the world? Like I'm working with a lot of gay clients that are like, I don't feel safe anymore in my state or in the country. 
And, you know, working on that lack of safety and the resultant anxiety or depression isn't a a biochemical thing that that is going to be fixed with meds. No meds in the world will make me be able to feel safe as a gay person, they might say, in a homophobic state or culture or job. Imagine a gay teacher in Florida. They don't need um, an antidepressant. They need activism. They need support from the straight world. You know what I mean? We need Democrats to get louder and to make more, you know, good trouble. Um, that's not something that is based on cognitive distortions or a serotonin depletion issue, you know, and we want to, we want to give the problem back to these larger systems, but I do always want to address, and we're going to talk about those things on tonight's show, the smaller things that we individually can try to do, which for some issues are just a bandaid on a larger systemic issue, which is the point I'm trying to drive home. Um, we don't want to victim blame and that can happen sometimes, uh, because sometimes, again, we're just on the receiving end of something and we're doing the best we can and uh, we need those systems to resolve. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the things that are individualized and the things we can individually do. Uh, because as I say week by week, uh, it's always something new. <laughs> more mass shootings, more gun violence, more Republican ridiculousness. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. More to come. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And uh, I was talking about systemic issues on the last segment and how there's a lot of things institutionally, systemically, uh, in terms of laws and other things that are bigger than the individual and that those can cause a lot of mental health issues. And that can also be some of the causes for things like suicide and other forms of self-harm and increased problematic relationships with drugs and alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. And that it's not fair to always blame the person who's a victim of all of that. And um, it is nothing of their own creation, but they're on the receiving end of a lot of different prejudices and discriminations and a lack of access and a lack of support and struggling financially. And they're watching, you know, it's happening in the political world. And they're saying, oh, and the world is also on fire because of, you know, climate change and global warming. And no one wants to really take the necessary drastic steps. Don't even get me started with that because a lot of us aren't even ready to be talking about the top three causes of global warming and climate change, which is uh, the car industry, the uh, dairy and meat industry, and um, also the fashion industry have massive implications, fast fashion. I mean, there's a lot of great documentaries and research. So if you care about the environment and you care about your children and the people behind us, it, look at those three systems and the roles they play in your life. That's not what we're talking about tonight's show. Um, I should do a, I should do a podcast that's just about like environmentalism and, and diet. Diet and environmentalism podcast coming soon. Um, But point being, there are some things that we can do individually on the individual level to take care of ourselves as (laughs) we're hopefully working to undo these larger systemic things. Just want to make sure that points across. If you want to hear more about that, though, go over to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, and you can check out the uh, earlier segments and some past shows because I'm always yapping about the micro, meso, and macro because, you know, we got to hit all levels if we want true mental health change. Okay, back to my point. My point is uh, we we are in funky times. There's always a new pandemic <laughs> of something coming. I can't even keep up with all the new emerging things. Also, the mass shootings, which are really not quieting down. And then, of course, the political, socio-political landscape where we are losing rights day by day. And there's a lot of gnarly people out there that are just ooh, rooted in uh, white cis hetero supremacy and just don't want to give anyone else a chance. So uh, what can we individually do other than vote, 
make some good trouble, speak up, change systems, use your privilege for good, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're going to talk about how we can do it on the daily, because if we have the foundation strong, we are going to be a little more robust and resilient to deal with everything else that's happening. And so it's that example of keeping your side of the street clean mental health wise. So one of the number one things we can do is, um, basic self-care. And I know I've talked about that on the show to exhaustion. And uh, for some of you are like, can you never use that word again? Tired of hearing about that word. And I'm like, yeah, I will. As soon as you start doing it, (laughs) because apparently y'all need the reminder, right? Because some of you are still overworking, burning yourselves out, not focusing on joy and pleasure, shaming, coming home and eating a bag of M&Ms as though it's the worst thing in the world. But yet, you know, we're pounding supplements and drinking red, it's, it's ridiculous. So take care of yourself like really prioritize taking care of yourself. And as I've said on the show billions of times, you know, when you're making a plan, pay attention to how it's going to impact your mental health. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, what are some other things we can do? Well, I'll tell you what has been powerful for me because some of these things sound really stupid and really small, but these are things that I've actually related to. So what I noticed with um, these funky, funky times, um, is that I wasn't spending enough time outdoors. Talked about that a few times on the show. And without repeating myself, I'm just gonna point out that there's a lot of factors that come into play as to why being in nature and in the outdoors is good for our mental health. It's fresh air, it's sunshine, it's seeing and being around other people, it's distractions, and just those pieces. If we ignore all the other important factors, those hit us on a physical and psychological level. Very, very important. So what what am I saying? I'm saying pay attention to how much time you're spending outside. And outside doesn't mean your office or your car or the gym or Starbucks. Those are buildings. (laughs) I mean, outside, outside. And it doesn't count walking from your car to Starbucks as being outside. I mean, you're outside. And for some people, they're going to say, wow, uh, maybe once a week on the weekends, because they're going to say, I'm only literally in the fresh air when I'm going from my house to my car, my car to my office, my office to Starbucks, back to the car, and then home again. That's horrifying to me because again, we're not even hitting what I said a minute ago about self-care because we're not focusing on rest. We're not focusing on leisure. We're not focusing on pleasure. We are literally just working. And when I say working, I mean all things that are labor. That includes the gym. That includes sometimes going grocery shopping. That includes making dinner when we get home after a long day, like depletion on top of depletion, on top of depletion, on top of exhaustion, on top of exhaustion. We need restorative things. And so even if you're saying being outside every day, big deal. Well, well, number one, yeah, you're reorganizing your priorities. So there's a symbolic advancement and transformation in that. You're like, all right, I'm actually going to start to focus on this and watch me do that by paying attention every day to being outside. So that's what's beautiful about mental health. It's not always the literal or the material because we are obsessed with materialism, seeing it, touching it, hearing it. But sometimes it's the symbolic that's most meaningful that you're actually shifting and reorganizing your priorities before we even look at the literal benefits. All right, we're going to come back, do some DMs, and then we're going to get back to how do we even begin to take care of ourselves in this current world. Stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. So uh, last night we started a DM, and there was a lot in it, and I wanted to kind of hit the first part. Now we're hitting the second part. This is someone who's in a relationship with someone who's a few decades older than them. A lot of people are in age gap relationships. I'm here for it. Someone's age 
and their maturity are not always aligned. In fact, there's some people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s that are more immature and primitive than someone who's in their 20s or 30s. Y'all do what you need to do. When we find love, we hold on to it and we make it work. So I'm okay with y'all having 20 years of an age difference, more power to you. But this idea that as we get older, we have to lose our sex drive isn't true. And our sexual prime is us later in life when we're more confident, more aware of ourselves. And even bigger than that, if you have a partner who has a higher sex drive, participate. You don't have to be in the mood. Do it anyway. We do things we don't want to do all the time. It's called life. I don't always want to go to work. I go. I don't always want to go exercise. I go because it's good for my heart. There's a lot of things I want to do for someone I care about, but I still show up and do things. Your hands work, your mouth works, toys work. Participate. Come on. Especially if you're in a monogamous relationship. Step up. And that's what the question was. Um, Now we're going to come back to the question. It says, we're talking about sex drive. Now you said he never sex with me, but he did before we started having sex in the beginning. He doesn't go down on me, but I'm always doing it for him. This person sounds a little selfish. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no reason why they can't still be sexting, and there's no reason why they can't go down on you. There's no little literal medical or physical reason other than I don't like doing things that I'm not comfortable doing. And I'm hearing a lot of that, and you need to call that out. Your partner doesn't like to be uncomfortable and only thinks about themselves. You saying to your partner, I want you to explore more sexuality with me and put very safe, hygienic parts of my body in your mouth? Yeah. Yeah, it, look, here's the problem. You, you both might not be sexually compatible anymore, but that's only driven by your partner's self-centeredness. Sorry, that's all I'm hearing in this question. And you have a right to say that. Listen, my sexuality is severely limited by yours because we're monogamous. And your limits, there's too many. And I'm really abandoning parts of myself that are important. I want to sex. I want to engage each other erotically during the day. I want you to go down on me. I want to enjoy more diverse pleasure. I want you to be willing to be sexual even when you're not in the mood. And if your partner's like, no, then you have to say we're not built for monogamy because you're not. Monogamy is for couples that are sexually compatible, period. So you have a right to say, then I don't want to do monogamy or maybe we're better off as friends. I don't know. But if this is that frustrating to you, then that's what you need to do. Other people, they don't care and they're happy for what they do have and they roll with it. But for some people, they're like, no, the limits are too great. I'm not willing to accept that. So you have to figure out if that's you. Um, you said he always has to sneak off to watch porn beforehand, but as a heart, yeah, but ba ba. it's making me feel unattractive. It's making me feel self-conscious. Yeah. And then you finally ended the question by saying he usually gets offended and brushes it off saying we have years together. No, this isn't a good sign. This is a massive red flag and maybe a deal breaker. If our partners brush off our concerns and they illegitimize it, they brush it off, they ignore it, or they say something obnoxious like we have all the time in the world, that means they're saying, I'm not willing to be uncomfortable for you. Your happiness and pleasure isn't important to me. And I'm conflict avoidant, and I'm not going to be here to talk about difficult things. That's a red flag or a deal breaker. And you need to really take it very seriously. This isn't okay. It's not just about the sex. It's what the sex is symbolizing. Like I just said, I don't care about you. I don't care about your needs. I don't care about your pleasure or happiness. I don't want to be made to be uncomfortable and I don't want to be disrupted. But healthy adult relationships involve being made to be uncomfortable in service of someone else. And they involve our lives being disrupted because someone else's happiness and joy becomes just as meaningful. So you got a lot of work to do. I would get into couples therapy or get a certified sex therapist. Um, but you need to have an honest conversation and say, this isn't the kind of relationship I'm interested in being a part of. And if I don't see more flexibility on your part and more compassion for what my needs are, then I'm going to exit the relationship. Quote me on that. That's what you say. And if your partner says anything other than I hear you, I want to do that. I care about you. Then you should maybe think about exiting because this person doesn't sound like they understand how to be in a relationship truly. So 
push on those edges, make your needs known. And you got my support. Your needs are legitimate and they're very reasonable. You are asking for barely anything. And there's nothing worse than being in a relationship with someone who doesn't care about our needs. It's pretty much a non-starter. Um, our needs, no one's, no one's needs or feeling, no one's needs or feelings are more legitimate than anyone else's. So what you're asking for is just as legitimate as this person wanting to feel safe and not put out. So, um, yep, there you go. Maybe even play this segment for them. All right, y'all we'll be back more to come. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey stick around y'all. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we are back and uh, no big deal. I'm just trying to save your lives. That's it. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Just saving lives. And it's the simple things that often matter. You know, before the break, I was talking about just go outside. And I was saying it doesn't count. If you're like, yeah, I'm outdoors. I'm running into Starbucks. Doesn't count. Running from the office to my car. Doesn't count. Every day. Are you just like spending some time outside? Maybe get up, I don't know, 15 minutes earlier. Or before you go to bed, go outside and go for a walk, do it before. Because even if there's no literal benefit from that, I want us to start to disrupt our lives by reorganizing our priorities and really, really bringing some mindfulness to the way we're spending our time. Because we move through the day very mindlessly, very unconscious. And I want us to be more conscious and mindful, not more mindless and unconscious. And if we're not even getting outside, well, then our, our days are thrown off and they're not prioritized. And I started to realize, wow, I can go a very long time without actually being outdoors, which I said has a lot of direct impacts, such as getting some vitamin D, getting some fresh air, literally seeing and being around other people, which is a form of symbolic socialization. Um, what the other things I was saying? There's movement involved in that, uh, some maybe some rest. But I was saying, even ignoring all of that, it's just also saying that, like, watch me start taking care of myself. And that's meaningful. It's like when some people say, I'm going to start making my bed. Well, that has no literal direct impact on anything, but it's symbolic of, of order, symbolic of taking control of your day, symbolic of doing something that you think is positive and beneficial, even though like it literally doesn't matter if the blanket's all crumpled up or pulled straight and tucked in, like who literally cares? But we symbolically make meaning out of that. The association is one of adulthood, order, maturity, high functioning. So symbolic impacts matter for psychology, powerfully, meaningfully. So going outdoors, if that's something that you're not familiar with because you hit the ground running, that's huge. And that was massive for me to have a morning routine and to not just literally backflip out of bed, throw my clothes, pound coffee, and then start seeing my patients at 8 a.m. Um, so like, yeah, look at that. Okay, so I think I've made that point pretty good. <laughs> I think I spent hours on that one. Um, okay, also, I think it's important for us to try to create a schedule. I really do, because I realized without me creating one where I said, I start work at this time, I stop work at that time, here's the window of my free time, and starting to really look at things, I realized that I was over, uh, let me say it differently, I realized I was undervaluing, and uh, I was undervaluing the important parts of self-care and the mental health pieces and overvaluing productivity because that's what our worth and our self-esteem is tied to in this culture. Productivity, what are you working on? How's that going? Like all these material things. And uh, from the show I did, wearechannelq.com, that's where you want to go to check it out. I was talking about happiness and I was doing, I've done another show on it before, but I was doing an updated version, looking at the research, the newer research on what, what is happiness, what causes it. And um, none of it's material. 
if for just, you know, you know, little headline who didn't, for those that didn't listen to the show, it was not rooted in how much money you make happiness. It was not rooted in how many cars, cell phones, uh, watches and all those things. It was quite the opposite. Those had a very short term impact. And what they did was give you bursts of joy, but they didn't make you happy, which is a longer standing thread. What gave you happiness was a multitude of other factors. But the point I'm just making is it's not the material, but yet that's what we spend our lives focused on, thinking that that's what demonstrates maturity, success, happiness. It doesn't. It doesn't. So what we're trying to do is stick to a normal schedule so that we can actually carve out time for the important things, but bigger than that so that we can keep an eye on burnout because I'm working with tons of clients that are having that, but they're not identifying it as such. They're, they're having a lot of anger. They don't understand why they're so angry. It's because they're tired and they're burnt out. They're having marital issues. They don't understand why their marriage isn't feeling you know loving or they're not feeling close and connected because they're tired and burnt out. Oh, they're having, they relapsed in, on drugs and alcohol or they feel like they're moving towards a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol. It's actually that they're burnt out. It, it hides a lot of things. Oh, someone's coming in with some sexual dysfunction. It's burnout and exhaustion. And, and we're not identifying it as such because it's so familiarized. Someone's like, oh, I worked a 12-hour day. No one goes, oh my God, I'm sorry to hear that. That's horrifying. How did that happen? Of course, that's why you're drinking too much. Of course, that's why your marriage is feeling disconnected. Of course, that's why you're angry and cranky with your kids. Like, dear God in heaven, it's the burnout. And so if we stick to a normal schedule and actually set one, we can make sure we're not doing that and we can track overworking and maybe even for some people underworking. Because remember, part of uh, depression is behavioral deactivation where we move away from activity and action. And for some people, they need to really track that. And they realize, oh, I might have a low level of depression and I need more activity, et cetera, et cetera. So schedule, building a schedule, setting a schedule is a great way to assess our mental health, burnout stuff and all of that. Um, and also, like I said, for people that are dealing with anxiety, it's going to give you a sense of structure and control. And for people that are dealing with something like depression, um, it's going to give you some sense of mastery and pleasure because you'll be achieving things and you'll see some momentum. And that's part of anxiety, again, is not feeling in control or resourced. And part of depression is, like I said, behavioral deactivation and not feeling like there's mastery, um, motivation or success in your life. And that's, you know, scheduling is a way to build that into and to see it happen. Um, so there we go. All right, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about some things we can do to center mental health in these wild times. I feel like I'm going to do this show once a week because it just isn't letting up. You're listening to Love Language Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we're back. Trying to find some solutions in our day-to-day -day mental health work because we recognize all these larger systems and institutions at play that are just overwhelming and way too much. And as we're working on dealing with all of these larger issues, these cultural issues within which our mental health exists and impacts us, we're trying to figure out what can we do on the day-to-day -day or the week-to-week -week or month-to-month -month that kind of helps build that robustness, resilience, and uh, foundation that we need because upon which everything else chaotic and you know violent is happening uh so what have we talked about so far well just normalizing self-care getting outside you know you got to go back and listen to that whole segment what that was about that's over at wearechannelq.com scroll down and look for love line and click on it and then talking about a schedule why a schedule you ask well what I was pointing out is number one, it helps us track where our time and energy is going. It helps us understand why we're feeling tired and depleted. It helps us plan and build in certain important forms of self-care. You know, date night, a quickie date night, a longer date night with our partner. Also making sure we're seeing friends. Part of that schedule, I want you to build in 
time with friends. And if you have an entire week and you haven't had the time or space for friends, you're too tired, push back on work and labor so as to carve out space and time for that. Also, looking at this schedule, where have you done something rooted in pleasure? Because I want these things happening every day. And I want us to at least pan out, look at a week and be like, whoa, look at what's absent. Look at what I need to build in. And even planning for it, how could I build all this in? Um, And then, you know, also, like I said, for people that have a lot of, you know, generalized anxiety, it's going to give them a sense of control and structure, and it's going to ground and anchor. And then for people with you know, depression, it's going to give them a way to make some achievements and some movement and to kind of step back into action and solution and to really feel like they can accomplish something and to get the benefits of some of that mastery and that pleasure. Uh, so scheduling is really vast and I, what I can't do, although I use on my iPhone, the scheduling for things like, you know, career stuff for this kind of work, I needed it on a piece of paper and I'm not going to go buy a calendar even though I know that those are still in existence. Um, I just, uh, with a piece of paper, drew it. <laughs> and I wanted to stand back and see what a week looked like. Here, I filled in all the work hours, and I was like, all right, am I working too much? Am I leaving space every day to do the things that are important? I wanna look at how often I'm socializing. I wanna socialize as much as possible. And you have to figure out for you what the reasonable expectation or number is, but I know what it is for me. I wanted to also see how much I'm putting into my romantic and sexual life. Am I building time to see the people or person I'm dating? Um, so I wanted it all on paper to look at it. Cause you know, I've rolled my eyes. Everyone's like work hard, play hard. Got to have a work life balance. Really boo. So I guess if I looked at your calendar, I would see, you know, four hours of work and four hours of play every day. Well, I doubt that. And so we're not living a work life balance and we're not doing work hard, play hard. It's quite imbalanced. (laughs) you're going to probably realize when you put it all down on paper, you're living a life of imbalance massively. It is not comparable, you know, leisure versus labor. It's not, no one is doing 40 hours of work, labor, and then 40 hours of leisure. Very few people are, well, I want us to try to get as close as we can to that. So anyway, that's enough about the schedule, but put it down on paper. I drew it in, in different colors. My, my labor was done in black And then my, you know, romance is done in red. So I can really see where that is. My social's done in blue. I want it to pop. Green is my leisure and hobbies because I want some time alone with myself where I'm not around another human being and I'm doing the things that are important to me and to do alone. And then also some things that are standouts like exercise goes in yet a different color. I want to make sure I'm exercising. And you start to realize you have to push back on some of the labor to get that done. That's why I'm saying if you're at home and you're worried about how, how home, you know, how clean the house is and cooking and all that 70% max, we're not going for a hundred percent, which means, yeah, we're going to leave the laundry maybe a little bit longer, or we're going to cook less or whatever it is. Things aren't going to be as clean, but we're going to redistribute that time and energy to something else, which is why I love, and this comes out of the disability rights movement, the concept of spoons. And we've talked about it before, but it's basically saying that everyone's different, which is another thing I'm always advocating for. Just because someone else can do something doesn't mean that expectation's right for someone else. And that shows up with parenting and at work and in school where everyone has different needs and everyone has to have different expectations. I'm sorry, they just do. I remember when I worked at an inpatient treatment center, I was trying to explain that to the clinical director at the time. Like 
the rules do have to be different for everyone actually, because everyone has different needs. The same expectations can't go for everyone. The same expectation for someone who's, um, you know, struggling with drugs and alcohol cannot be the same for someone who's struggling with ADHD, the same for someone who's struggling with a developmental disorder, the same as someone with some other cognitive difference and the same with someone who's dealing with deep depression, someone who's traumatized, all those people need something different. And all those people, whether high levels of that or low levels are sitting in your classroom or are your employees that you're supervising or are your children. So just because little Bobby can get to school on time doesn't mean little Christina can because maybe her parents are dealing with domestic violence and uh, she doesn't sleep at night because she doesn't feel safe. Well, yeah, she's going to get to school a little late and we do need to accommodate for these things. That's how we build a mental health centered world. And again, we love slinging around that hashtag, but we don't really want to apply it. So the disability rights movement came up with this exam, this concept, this metaphor of spoons, which is everyone starts their day with a different amount of spoons, a different number. And spoons basically are symbolic of units of energy. Everyone wakes up with a different amount of energy that's required to get through their day. We all do not start off with the same amount. And we know that some people are morning people. Some people aren't. Some people slept well. Some people didn't. Some people get eight hours. Some people get six. And then you add on all the other things I referenced, physical and mental um, abilities and disabilities, differences. Okay, so we wake up with a different amount of spoons for the day. Some people have 10, some people have five. And work, or just getting, you know, getting the kids to school might be three. Well, if you wake up with five only because of all the different things, sleep, depression, whatever it is, you have two left for the day. But if you're someone who starts off with 10, you have seven. So you go off to work and you're refreshed where the other person's going off to work and they're exhausted. And then work takes away some spoons. So some people come home with three left. So that's enough to cook dinner. And someone else comes home with negative or zero left. And they don't have the energy, focus, or attention to cook dinner. And so that's why I want us to stop going for perfect, stop going for 100%, drop the expectation on ourselves and others, be more, more mental health centered, and create these schedules so we can get a sense of ourselves. All right, more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And uh, just finishing up our discussion about ways to thrive and survive <laughs> to the best we can in these wacky wacky times uh we're dropping the bar on ourselves and those around us talk about that every night pretty much in my closing uh we're not expecting a hundred we're not expecting the same thing from everyone everyone's starting the day off with a different amount of energy that's available everyone has different mental health and physical health we cannot have the same expectations just because one person can make the basketball team doesn't mean everyone else can just because one person you know can throw a baseball at a certain speed doesn't mean we all can just because one person can break a, a track and field world record doesn't mean we all can. We can't all be president. We can't all make the NBA. We can't all anything. We all have different strengths, different weaknesses, different abilities. Mental health is the same way. Just like some people are taller and can reach a cabinet, that expectation can't be on someone who's far shorter. Oh, that, that person could reach the cabinet. Yeah, they're five inches taller. That person was able to make the NBA. Yeah, yet again, they're five inches taller. Or they have better skill. Like, that person was able to get a record deal. Yeah, they can sing. I can't. We we have we have an understanding of that of that physical, but we don't understand or apply that to the mental. It's the same. That person got to school on time doesn't mean everyone else can. That person got their homework done doesn't mean the other person can. That person was able to get this much work done in a day doesn't mean the other person can. We all have have to have different expectations, and that throws off the whole system because the whole system we live within wants conformity and uniformity. It just isn't honest. That's not how the physical or mental health world is, period. 
We know that we can't have the same physical expectations on people that they're going to be able to reach the same things, run as fast. Mental health is the same, but yet we don't want to acknowledge that. Think of the school system. What would that mean if we acknowledge that a classroom of 20 had to have different expectations? Chaos. But yet it's pathologizing and traumatizing and stigmatizing to have someone have expectations placed upon them that aren't reasonable for their mental health. And we do that at work. We do that at home. We do that at school. We do that in our social circles. Oh, they text me back. Great. They don't have social anxiety or depression. So congratulations that they have the energy availability and the social comfort to text you back right away. But that person doesn't. And that's why I'm always advocating for dropping the bar, being more kind and compassionate, having the right expectations at the right time on the right people. And we can't handle that because we don't want to individualize. We don't want to think compassionately. We don't want to think in terms of humanity. We just want to mechanize, conformize, made that word up. I love making words up. Neologisms. That's how, that's how, that's how um, vocabulary progresses, always adding new words. Okay. So what else can we do other than creating a schedule so that we can really see where all of our time and energy is going? I'm a big fan of doing that. Draw it out on a piece of paper, put different things in different colors and really look at where your time and energy is going. It's probably going to horrify you and you're going to realize we don't live a work-life balance and we're not even close to it, but we need to. That's why I'm all about these countries that are testing four-hour work weeks, but people are still getting paid the same amount as it should be. Four hour work weeks is awesome. People working from home if they can, so they can have some freaking comfort. Um, what else are we talking about? Schools going online. I'm all about people going to school online. That's awesome. That's the right thing for so many people. Um, what else are we talking about? A lot of things that are helping shift some of that. So we're not trying to be perfect. We're spending more time outdoors. We're creating a schedule to really assess our mental health and where our time is going. Um, we're not trying to be perfect. We already kind of said that. We're also trying to explain the things that give us purpose and meaning that's in there, learning new skills. Um, that was huge for me. I started taking a lot of art classes and it started to enhance another part of me and it really tapped into other things that are important as well. And it really was challenging. It brought me into a new world, really beautiful, changed my perspective on everything. Also, I found this kind of odd in some of the research because I'm always poking around to see what different articles are saying around these topics. And they brought up one of them brought up pet ownership. And I thought that was really beautiful, not only because I've shared on the show that, you know, pets can be really great for so many people in terms of mental health for a multitude of ways. It also can really help us practice more compassion, take us outside of ourselves, soothe us. We see that with prison studies where they give prisoners dogs or cats, um, and they really see that it helps them learn compassion and empathy. Um, and again, it gets us out into the world and we can meet people because everyone that walks their dogs loves talking to each other and they familiarize. And it goes back to what I was saying about getting us outside of the house. It goes back to also getting us in, in, in kind of a different routine. Um, what else was I looking at in some of the research? Um, some of it got really kind of corny and ridiculous as it always does within this rubric. Uh, they were talking about spending more time at home dancing. I thought that was kind of odd. <laughs> but I appreciate why that can bring some joy. It's movement. We all need as much movement as possible. Um, and then a lot of it kind of ended finally on a lot of socialization. And, and I think that that's actually really, really, really important. Um, socialization is always going to be a vital part of our mental health. And that kind of goes back to everything I talked about, about scheduling, looking at where our time's going, our energy, and just really kind of trying to bump that up. Even if it's just over like FaceTime, even just some additional texting or sexting, 
with consent would be awesome. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. Questions, drop them in the DMs on our Love and IG page. Topics you want us to hit, circle back to, put them in there. And then we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes of Love Line. Scroll down, look for it, click on it, binge, post, re-listen, and share. It's all about that repetition. Got to unlearn and then relearn some better better perspectives. Um, Oh, the practice, because the quality of your practice of all this is the quality of your life and your mental health. So the power's in your hands, y'all. Stick around, though. So much more to come. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Rachel. It is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been dating this woman for about four months. She's made it very clear that she is dating to marry, but I don't think that's the way life should be. (laughs) I think if we get married, great. But I also feel a little bit of unnecessary pressure in the sense that if she finds out something about me she doesn't like, She'll leave regardless because she doesn't want to marry me. Is dating to marry really the right way to be? I mean, look, dating should honestly be an exploration of who we are, who this person is, what we can create Should be focused on, you know, companionship and experiencing things and enjoying each other. But some people do think in terms of what we call the relationship escalator, which means they really think that there's a right way to do it and a necessary way to do it. And they just kind of conform and fall in line. And we're going to date first and then we're going to have sex and then we're going to become exclusive and monogamous. And then we're going to live together and then we're going to have kids and then we're going to buy a house yawn. There's so many ways to be together with someone, but some people don't know how to think outside of that, or they have some insecure attachment stuff. And they feel like if we aren't achieving these milestones, then we don't have trust. We don't have love. We don't have care. We don't have safety. But I always remind people being married doesn't promise love, care, trust, or safety. There are people that are never going to be married to have more care, love, trust, and safety than someone who's married and bound by a, you know, federal contract or state contract or whatever it winds up being. And, um, that's a bummer. So make your needs known. You know, it sounds like you might like this person. It's been four months, maybe hang in there. And if they're dating to marry, let them be guided by that. And you be guided by what you're guided by. As long as this is feeling good and working, I'm here. And if, and when it doesn't, I leave. Otherwise let's have fun. And it goes where it goes. Date in the way that makes sense to you. And 
if they're looking for marriage and assessing you based on that, nothing you can do about it, but you don't have to be persuaded by that or to think in those terms. And you don't even have to promise that marriage is something you're going to do or will even want. All you can say is right now, I'm happy with where we are. Will that change down the road? I don't know. We'll have to see how I feel down the road. No one could ever promise how they'll feel in a month, six months. Even marriage is truly a lie. You can't ever from any date or place in time say to another person, I'm going to be here forever and I'll never leave you. That is a lie. What you should say is I'll be there as long as it's healthy and correct for both of us. And when it's not, we both should lovingly acknowledge it, work on what we can and if we can exit. So you can't promise anything. People grow and change. Some things become toxic. So let her do what she needs to do and you do what you need to do. And all you can promise is I'm here now. And as long as it's working and going well, I'll be there tomorrow. And if and when that changes, we'll address it. But don't don't feel like you have to promise marriage. Don't feel like you can even say from this vantage point four months in, how you'll feel four months from now. So you go on your path and your journey. Let her go on her path and her journey. Um, I wouldn't make a bigger deal about it, but a lot of people think in those terms. Let her have that. Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. And if at some point she sees you as not marriage material, which I don't really know what that distinction is. If you're dating material, you should be marriage material. I don't know what is marriage material that isn't dating material. I don't know how someone differentiates between the two. All I think that that imagine, all I think that that really is, is can I consistently conceive of being with you longer term? And that's also dependent on her behavior as well. So she has some control over that, but yeah, you don't have to get caught up in her perspective. Um, just be where you are and just, you know, lovingly keep showing up. It's four months in, you do not even know this person. You know, in the beginning, we're selling a dream usually and not a lot of authenticity. And until we start to have conflict, we can't even assess what kind of happiness we could have over the long term, et cetera, et cetera. So be where you are. You know, a lot of people anxiously try to hit these milestones thinking that it promises or communicates something and it doesn't. It's just going through the motions. Living with someone doesn't necessarily promise or speak to um, commitment, care, or trust. Like I keep saying, I'm not saying those are bad things. I do it but it just doesn't mean anything. What matters is what the actual people have and are doing, not the structural things that we participate in, you know? Um, anyway, I'm sure a lot of people can actually relate to that. A lot of people feel stressed and pressured. Um, yeah, so DMs come from our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to, drop deeper in, and past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff there. You know, got to do the work. It's part of the work. Stay in the work. The quality of your practice is the quality of your life. More importantly, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. Drop the bar. Focus on more joy, rest, and pleasure. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow night, all right? You enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 